listening to Covenant of Grace Radio, brought to you by Covenant of Grace Ministries in Greensboro, North Carolina. You may also listen to our Bible studies and contact us over the World Wide Web at covenantofgraceministries.com. Once again, that's covenantofgraceministries.com. I'm your Bible teacher, Burley Moore, inviting you to join us now for today's study of God's Word. Many courtrooms throughout the United States and around the world have witnessed dramatic events as judges and juries rendered their verdicts. In many respects, our text that we find today, beginning in the third chapter of Romans, can be likened to, shall I say, a courtroom scene, with God being pictured as the plaintiff, Paul serving as the prosecuting attorney, and the world being the accused. The aim of this chapter is to show that the entire world is guilty of sin before an all-righteous and holy God. This does not exclude the religious Jew who thought himself spiritually superior to the pagans, to what, shall I say, the pagan Gentiles of Paul's day. Scripture teaches that all men everywhere, regardless of race, are totally depraved creatures. Total depravity is a biblical doctrine that relates to the effect of sin in all human beings. When we speak of total depravity, we are referring to the fact that every part of man has been contaminated by sin. Sin is that curse inherited from Adam that makes all men self-centered rather than God-centered. Paul continues now in chapter 3 of Romans where he left off with chapter 2 addressing the Jews, the Jews of his day who predominantly made up the early church. After telling them that practicing their religious rituals including circumcision, which they highly prized in that day, those ritualistic rituals did not ensure them of eternal salvation. So he digs a little deeper into the heart of the matter and wanting to make sure that they got the point of what he was trying to say, he backs up and he stresses the matter further by asking a series of questions. First of all, Paul's questions seek to answer the possible objections raised by the Jews. To begin with, he asked, What was the advantage in being a Jew, and what profit is circumcision? Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. What advantageth? What advantage then cath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. Being Jewish gave them a very unique exposure to the Old Testament scriptures. One of their special privileges was that they were custodians to the Word of God as it was divinely inspired to the Old Testament prophets. John Calvin put it this way, 
God had deposited with them the treasure of celestial wisdom. I like that. The sad thing is that Jewish unbelief brought increased condemnation because they possessed the Word of God, they held the Word of God, they heard the Word of God, but they rejected it. The Messiah was first promised to the Jew, and Jesus Christ first came to the Jew because he himself was born into the Jewish race. But the majority of Jews rejected him. As we pointed out previously, I continue to remind you, John 1.11 says, He came unto his own. He was born a Jew into the Jewish community, into the Jewish race. But the Jew is the one that stood where on, bal on Pilate's balcony, and they said, Crucify him, crucify him. They shouted that the Lord of glory be crucified. Practicing religious ritual without a heart right with God is of no eternal advantage or spiritual profit. However, there is much advantage and there is a great deal of profit in being exposed to God's Word because Romans 10 verse 17 reminds us, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. God has chosen, as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, what is called God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. The world considers what I'm doing today foolish. Lost people, pagan people, consider preaching a bunch of foolishness. And that's why, in the eyes of the world, God has chosen to use what the world calls the foolishness of preaching as his method of saving them that believe. God's power to save is not in the ritual or the, shall I say, the liturgy of a service, but it's in the precious, divinely inspired Word of God. Exposure to God's Word is what the Holy Spirit uses to bring and draw sinners to the Savior and grants faith to believe. Well, the next question was, what if some did not believe? Verses 3 and 4. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid! Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. The promises of God to the nation of Israel were not canceled because of their Jewish unbelief. Just because the Jews did not believe what God told them did not make the promises of God of no effect. It did not change the promises of God in regards to the plan and purpose of salvation. Unbelieving and unrepentant Jews were going to perish in hell just like any other pagan. Those who do not believe does not change the promises of God unto those who do believe. Those who do believe will benefit and will someday realize, not only do we realize today, but will realize not the, the eternal benefit of believing when we walk through the celestial halls 
of God's precious glory. Yes, we do believe because God has given us ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church. We do believe because God has planted faith in our hearts. Those who do not believe does not change the fact that God's truth is truth. God forbid. God forbid. I like what Paul says. He uses it more on more than one occasion in his writings. We find it again right here in our text. God forbid for a person to ever think that God does not keep his promises to his people simply because God be true. Or in other words, God never lies, but every man a liar, meaning that sinful man is known for lying and following the father of lies, as we see in John chapter 8, verse 44, reminding us of how faithful God is to forgive his people when they confess and repent. Paul says, as it is written, as it is written, and then he quotes from the inspired pen of David after his sin with Bathsheba. Listen to Psalms chapter 51, verse 4. David cried out, Against thee, the only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. When we sin, we sin against a holy and righteous God. David's life reminds us that when God's people are unfaithful to him, God remains faithful to us. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13. Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Well, in verses 5 and 6 of Romans chapter 3, another twofold question is asked. Does our unrighteousness serve to show the righteousness of God? And is God unrighteous to inflict vengeance? The Bible says in chapter 3 of Romans, verse 5, But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid... For then how shall God judge the world? We find another one of those God forbids that Paul uses in the book of Romans. Simply put, the question is why? Why should people be punished for their sinful actions when those actions allow God to show his mercy? When Paul said, I speak as a man, he wasn't denying divine inspiration in this passage, but simply stating man's reaction according to his depraved human reasoning. Human reasoning is not the same as God's divine reasoning. To begin with, let's remember that as sinners, we are deserving of God's judgment and vengeance. When we suffer, we are deserving of it. But when Jesus suffered, he did not deserve it, but did it for us in our stead. He suffered what we deserved. The same attitude conveyed in our text by Paul is also later addressed concerning continuing in grace that sin may abound. And you know what he said? In Romans chapter 6, verse 1, God forbid, God forbid that people use such human reasoning as that. 
we must notice the same reaction to such a thought. In both the third and sixth chapters, God forbid, we cannot use human reasoning in trying to figure out God and understand His love and His grace and His mercy and His righteousness. We cannot come and figure God out because trying to excuse our sin is merely unregenerate logic and demonstrates a, personal, a person's carnal reasoning. God forbid! God forbid! By no means! That's what it means! God forbid! By no means! Is an excellent, excellent response to such a thought because God cannot ever be a partner to one's sin. Our sin never pleases God, but in sin we can learn that He is merciful, gracious, and forgiving. God will judge the world in perfect justice, and unless our sin is washed in the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, we're going to be in serious trouble for all eternity. Thank you for joining us in today's Bible study. You may contact us and listen to Covenant of Grace Radio by looking us up on the internet at covenantofgraceministries.com. I'm your Bible teacher, Burley Moore, inviting you to tune in again at this same time each week. Until our next broadcast, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.